Good morning, church. This morning's reading is from Genesis verse 1 to 5. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Um, and that's on page 1 of the Bible. Um, yes. So before I begin, let us pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering your church here to um, read your word and um, just gather together um, in fellowship. Um, I pray that you help me to read the words of clarity and that um, the sermon um, will be preached well. And um, yep, in Jesus' name, amen. Yep, so Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of God. G'day. Um, my name's Daniel. And if you don't know me, uh, I studied solar engineering when I was at uni. And... Uh, there was a time when we got solar panels installed on our house um, and it was interesting because the, the sales guy came and started talking to me and it was quite interesting because he was trying to explain to me how solar panels worked uh, and I spent four, uh, five years of my life studying solar panels and it was interesting because he thought I knew nothing uh, but actually I knew quite a fair bit um, and it's interesting because what you know of someone really matters and what you know of someone really changes the way that you respond to them. Uh, there was a time when my dad, um, he introduced me to an old acquaintance of his. His name was Tom. I'd been working for about, for maybe two or three years after uni, after studying solar. I'd been working in the solar industry. Um, and I'd also started a commerce degree when I was at uni. And I was having a blast. I really enjoyed working in the solar industry. And my dad introduced me to this guy called Tom. Tom gave me a call and he said he'd just moved to Australia from overseas and he was asking me if I wanted to help him in, in a business. Um, he, he, he wanted to start up an Australian office for this um, foreign solar company that I'd never heard of. And so this is what I thought. I was like, oh, I'm the expert. I understand solar panels. Um, that's why Tom's um, called me for advice. He wants me to help him. Um, and, you know, I, I did a bit of a commerce degree, and so he's obviously asking me not just for my solar expertise, but also my, my business expertise. Um, and so I get it. You know, I, I get solar, I get business. Um, he's asking for my help. Uh, and so I was, I was talking to Tom and, and sort of, I was like, Tom, I appreciate the offer for what you, you know, you're asking me to come and help you, asking me to come and work for you. But, you know, the place that I'm working at, it's great. I really love my job. It's, it's going gangbusters. I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, I'm the expert in this area. And so let me try to give you some advice, Tom. I didn't quite say it in these words, but I was like, you know, Tom, I've never heard of this business, you, this company you, 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 you're speaking of. I should know. I, I'm in the solar industry. And I don't think you understand the Australian, work, Australian business um, scene. And I just think it would be a bit hard if you're, if you're trying to do this. I don't think it's a wise idea, Tom. Anyway, a little bit later, I find out, after I declined his offer, I find out that Tom was headhunted um, from this multi-billion dollar solar company to start up its Australian office. That Tom had over 20 years of like 
business experience. He was one of the top um, businessmen in, in this area, and he'd been headhunted for this particular job. And I thought I knew more than Tom about running business in Australia. How foolish did I look? It was so embarrassing, thinking, thinking that I was the expert, whereas clearly this multi-billion dollar, in, uh, multi-billion dollar company uh, knew their expert who they wanted to set up their, their, um, their office here in Australia. It's interesting, isn't it? Because what you know of someone really matters. Uh, what you know of someone really matters. Um, and in my foolishness, I knew nothing of Tom or his experience. Uh, and in my foolishness, I thought I knew everything. Uh, and actually, in, in five years' time, the company that I was working for folded, and I'd clearly made the wrong decision um, in that. But the point is, what you know of someone really matters, and what you know of someone really affects the way that you respond to them. And it's particularly so when it comes to God, isn't it? We're looking at Genesis 1, and we, we're meeting our maker here. Why don't I pray for us as we begin, that we don't make a fool of ourselves in the same way that I made a fool of myself in front of Tom, as we think about our maker. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can know you in the word. Please help us to know you and to respond rightly and not foolishly to who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, And so we meet God, we meet the maker in the very first sentence of the Bible, don't we? It's not even the first sentence, in the very first clause. In the beginning, God. Here in the beginning, God is there. God always is. He always was. He was there before creation, isn't he? He's present at the beginning of time and not at some point during time, which means that he's, he, he, he was, he existed before time was even created. Now, I don't know how we necessarily consider that or, or what we make of that other than to simply say God always existed. Now, if God always existed, it means that he's not a created concept. He's not something that we've made up ourselves to give ourselves value or to give ourselves worth. And that's not what the world around us says, is it? I was looking up what some people think and what some people say about God. And I came across this writer, Shivani Narang, and it's going to come up on the screen, a quote that she says, she wrote. She says, my perception about God and his existence is perhaps a little different. To me, God is formless. He is nowhere yet everywhere. There is no specific entity that I worship, that I look up to. I don't have an image of him in my mind. It's interesting as we look at that, isn't it? Because Shivani goes on to say, for me, God is blah, 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 blah. And for me, God is not blah, 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 blah. She goes on and on and on about who God is for her. Now, in our culture... Our culture says, God is whoever you want him to be. Um, He is me, or he's unknowable. He's a she, he's a force. Ultimately, our culture tells us that God is whoever we make him out to be. 
I was talking to a student at Deakin Uni just a couple of days ago, and this student said, we've invented God for ourselves. We've invented God so that we follow the rules of society and so that there's no chaos. But that's not what we see here in the Bible, is it? That's not right. We don't think of God like that student I was speaking to or like Shivani the writer. God is not someone we imagine. God is real. You don't make him up. You don't pretend he is whatever you want him to be. Just like I won't pretend that Dave Shannon is, a, is an AFL pro, um, a pro AFL player. I can't just make that up. As much as that might be fun or good, you can't just make things up and say that's true. And so God is real. He's not part of our imagination, and we don't just make him up to be whatever we want him to be. God exists not as a crutch for us to lean on or whatever we we choose him to be. He's not an escape for us to make us feel better about ourselves. He's not a a power to energize us to lofty heights. God is not the imagination of needy and unstable people. He's not just mere inspiration for us to achieve our goals. God exists for real in the beginning as someone who we can know about and someone who we can learn about. And what we'll soon see is that he's someone who we need to know. Because as we know God, we'll know how to honour him. As we know God, we'll know how to treat him as he deserves. And as we know God, it'll help us from making the mistake that I made with Tom, isn't it? Because what you know of someone really matters. And God is real. And he was there at the beginning. Now, there are many, many more things that we can say about God than what we'll be able to look at today, and we all know that's why we keep coming back and keep reading the Scriptures. Um, There'll be more than what we can can look at in just in the first five verses today. But we need to keep studying the Scriptures and keep knowing God because what you know of someone really matters, and particularly so when it comes to God, isn't it? Now, the first thing we've seen is that God, um, from the Bible, is that God has, is real and he's always existed. Now, let's think about some of the implications or some of the conclusions that we can draw from this truth. If God is real, if God has always existed, that means that God doesn't need us for his existence. God doesn't need us to fulfill him. Because God is self-sufficient. We are non-essential for God's survival. We are unnecessary for his satisfaction. And that means that God doesn't need us in any way. He doesn't need us to pray to him. He doesn't need us to offer sacrifice to him. He doesn't need anything from us. And actually, Paul says this in Acts chapter 17, which is coming up on the screen. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he, God himself, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God doesn't need us. Which perhaps means that we shouldn't barter with God. 
we shouldn't try and get what we want as we barter with God. We shouldn't say things like, God, if I pray really earnestly, will you give me that car park? Or, or, or maybe negotiate. God, if I do something good, you know, go to church, give money, will you do something for me? Maybe give me that job that I want or help me get into that course or, or give me that promotion? God is not a force who we try to manipulate for our own gain. God is not insecure. He doesn't need us to do good God things to earn God credit points so that we can get into his good books and get something back in return. Because God has always existed. He always was. He always has been. He's much greater than that. He's much grander than that. And if we see in the rest of chapter in chapter one, verse one, the rest of the verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That takes us to our next point. God, who always has existed, created everything. Heavens and the earth. That's physical and the spiritual. If I say I searched high and low, I'm, I'm kind of just saying I searched everywhere. If I say all people, young and old, I'm talking about everyone. There's a technical term for this type of speech that's called a merism. Um, might sound a bit technical, but the point's really clear, isn't it? God made the heavens and the earth. He made everything. That's what it's saying. If we keep reading the rest of Genesis 1, which we haven't done today, but if you keep reading it, you'll see that there's more and more detail um, that, the, that Genesis 1 focuses in on as, as it talks about the creation that God has made. We've seen the merism in, in verse 1, God created everything. And as we keep reading, there's a focus on the physical world particularly. And as you keep reading, uh, the physical world, which begins formless, um, becomes more and more detailed. Um, there's light and so on as you keep reading the chapter. Verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now those few sentences give us so much to reflect on, don't they? One of the first things I want to say is that God is not created. He's apart from creation. That sounds a bit obvious, doesn't it? I mean, he always was before all of creation, and so he created. He's apart from creation. That's obvious. But what you know of someone really matters. If God is distinct, he's different, he's apart from creation, we need to be wary of what we say about him. We can't say things like we are all part of God, can we? We can't say that this whole world is God or things like Mother Nature. We can't say that God is everything or everything is God. Creation, this world that we live in, is not part of God. Even if you put all of creation together, it is still not God. Now, you might hear people talk about this 
in big words like pantheism or panentheism. Everything is God or everything is part of God. But that's just not right, isn't it? That's what we see here. The creator is not creation. And he's not part of creation. And there's another obvious thing that we can draw from these verses. That is, not only is God distinct from all of creation, but he's the one who has made everything. Now that has huge implications, doesn't it? God made everything. What does it tell us about God? It tells us that he's powerful, doesn't it? I mean, did you notice how he created? We sung about it, didn't we? Did you notice how he created? God said, and it was so. Only God's word is required to create. And that that tells us a lot about God's power, doesn't it? Demonstrates his authority. Dog. 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 Hang on, let me try again. Dog. There's no dog there. I could say dog as much as I want. There's no dog that's going to appear. Maybe, maybe if I had an assistant, the assistant might go get me a dog. Dog. No dog. God's word is powerful, isn't it? He said light. And there was light. God is the one who created just by speaking. What a powerful God. God's word is so powerful. I don't know if that gets you thinking about all sorts of things. Uh, I imagine in our day and age, for some of us, that might be thinking about things like, it might get us thinking, thinking about things like, what about the Big Bang, evolution, how does this all fit together, how does this work? It's worth pointing out that Genesis is not a science textbook. It's not biology, it's not physics 101. The Genesis is the Bible's account of the beginning. That's what Genesis means, beginnings or birth, being. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't usually read a dictionary cover to cover and get disappointed that there's no characters, there's no plot, there's no story development. Different texts and different genres ask and answer different questions. And so Genesis asks and answers different questions to a science textbook, doesn't it? If you come to Genesis 1 asking, is God's voice the Big Bang? You'll get the wrong answers, won't you? You won't get science answers. And more significantly, you'll miss what Genesis is saying. And what Genesis is saying is, God is real. He made everything just by speaking. Which takes us back to God and God's voice, doesn't it? If God is the one who created just by speaking, we surely need to listen to what he says, don't we? God created everything just by speaking. We need to listen to what he says. Because everything owes its existence to him. 
Everything belongs to him. All of creation, you and I. We're not our own master. We belong to our creator. Our lives, what we say, what we do, all belongs to God. All should honor him. And we see that in Revelation. Uh, It's going to come up on the screen, Revelation 4. Uh, It says, you are worthy, our Lord and God. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things. God, the creator, deserves all glory and honor and power. And so God's word needs to be heeded, needs to be listened to. We need to do what he says. Now, just because Genesis isn't answering our science questions doesn't mean that we should think our Genesis is outdated and irrelevant, does it? That it has no value to us. If we think of Genesis that way, we're quite arrogant, aren't we? Quite ignorant. It's very arrogant and ignorant to think, I know better. I mean, I'm in the 21st century Um, We have fancy science. We have technology. I have more technology in my phone than what sent someone to the moon. We don't need this ancient myth from Genesis 1. It's quite an arrogant point of view. And C.S. Lewis calls this chronological snobbery. Just because something is old doesn't mean it's irrelevant. Um, To avoid being a chronological snob, C.S. Lewis says, you must find out why it went out of date. Was it ever refuted, and if so, by whom, where, and how conclusively? Or did it merely die away as fashions do? If the latter, this tells us nothing about its truth or falsehood. So this warning about being a chronological snob and the earlier clarification that that Genesis is not a science textbook, I think that means that we need to be encouraged to keep listening to Genesis on its own terms, to listen to it in its context, and to, to consider what questions it's asking and what questions is it answering for us. And I think from the passage that we've looked at today, the question that Genesis 1 is asking and answering for us is, who is God, the real creator who made everything just by speaking? Now, that takes us back to the question at the very beginning, isn't it? What you know of someone really matters. So why does it matter that we know God is real and that he created everything? Why does it matter? It's because we need to honor him. We need to listen to him, to his word. And we can know and we can listen to and meet God here in the Bible. That's why we read it each week. That's why we study it each week. That's why we preach from it. Because as we keep reading and studying the Bible, it all points to Jesus, doesn't it? That's what the whole Bible is all about. Actually, that's what all of creation is about. Jesus. We see it in Colossians 1, 16, up on the screen. Colossians 1, 16. For in him, Jesus, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created 
through him, Jesus, and for him. So Jesus is the creator through whom and for whom everything was created. And so knowing the creator is knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is knowing the creator that we see in Genesis 1. And if we keep looking into into the Gospel of John, which we've just finished um, studying, we see words that are so similar to what we've read and what we sung with the kids' song today, isn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him was nothing, nothing was made that has been made. And that's the same point, isn't it? Jesus is God. He was there at the very beginning. He always was, and He created everything. He's real. And if we keep reading that passage in John 1, a few verses later, we know that Jesus reveals God to us, doesn't he? No one has seen God but the one and only Son, Jesus, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He, Jesus, has made him, God, known to us. So how do we know God? How do we know the Creator? By meeting Jesus. He's the creator of the world. And it's an understatement for us to say that the least that we can do is listen to him, isn't it? Everything is made for Jesus and by Jesus. So knowing him not only allows us to know God the creator, but also allows us to know what all of creation is about, what all of creation is for. Remember how foolish I looked when I um, met Tom and tried to give him advice on how to run a business in Australia? How embarrassing it is to meet someone and have the wrong idea of who they are? Well, if you've never considered Jesus, you've never considered the creator of the world, the one who has given you everything, life and breath, everything. And if that's you, I want to suggest you're not treating him with the honour that he deserves. I say with no exaggeration, there is nothing more important that we can do than to meet him. Respond to him. God, who has revealed himself to us in Jesus. Because what you know of someone really matters, doesn't it? Let me pray. Our Creator God, we thank you for making us and giving us life. Thank you for making yourself known to us in Jesus. We pray that you would help us to know you and honour you, our Maker, that we would treat you as you deserve. In Jesus' name. Amen.